0: Hello everyone, my name is Vanessa Menendez-Covello and this is the Fresh Needle podcast where I interview fresh graduates and acupuncture students from all over the world and we discuss their experiences as students or running their own clinics, particularly in these very weird times of COVID-19. I want to tell you about an amazing opportunity that is opening up for new graduates who are looking to build their acupuncture practice. Nava Karman is a leading acupuncturist and herbalist specializing in fertility, gynecology and the immune system. She has run the fertility support company for over 20 years. Nava is launching a new mastermind group exclusively for new graduates. This mastermind group will meet every two weeks to provide mentoring guidance and inspiration and will focus on clinical skills and the practicalities of building a business. This will be a close-knit group of practitioners who will work together for a year to develop the skills and habits required to be clinically effective and financially successful. I recently did a session with Nava, and what I liked the most about it is how safe I felt about discussing my fears and worries. I came out of it with a list of very practical achievable steps to implement change. There are only 6 places in the group so you need to apply quickly. Go to www.fertilitysupport.expert/graduate Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Ben Carrigan. Ben has a first-class BSc Honours Degree in Acupuncture from the International College of Oriental Medicine, and he has an acupuncture clinic in Southfield, Southwest London. He also has an upcoming podcast soon to be released called Acupuncture West London, The Podcast. Welcome, Ben.
1: Hi, Vanessa. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show.
0: I'm very well, thank you. Very excited to have another podcaster. I know, (laughs) I
1: know. It's exciting times, isn't it?
0: Yes, and I feel, um, I feel really happy that there are so many podcasts now about acupuncture, because I feel lucky that I've got into studying and graduating in the time of information, like my lectures always kept saying, "Oh, you know, when we studied, there were no books, there were no you know my hadn't published his books. There was not a lot to it was really difficult to find information. While well, now I walk my dog every morning and I listen to acupunccasts.
1: I know it's great, isn't it? And even since the uh, COVID-19 thing, so many of the colleges have gone online. You know, even last year, sort of when I was, or the year before last, when I was studying, it was all sort of, you know, books and notes. And now it's totally changed, changes very quickly, doesn't it?
0: It really does. And we are grateful. So first of all, what is your acupuncture story? Did you go into ac- acupuncture studies straight out of school? Did you used to do something else? It start for you.
1: Well, Yeah, I guess uh, like many acupuncturists, I I sort of got into it by mistake. Um, I initially uh, finished school and I started uh, studying jazz and music in college, which I did for years and years. Um, I, you know, originally got a scholarship to Berkeley in Boston and ConCon, which is the music conservatory in The Hague. But I didn't then get to follow that up because I got busy with a number of music groups and started touring around um, before I could take my place. So, yeah, so then I ended up just being a sort of a session musician, recorded and toured with a number of groups. Uh, Then after that, worked as a composer and got into audio post-production for film and television. Um, And it was only in sort of 2015, I actually uh, made a massive switch and jumped over, started studying acupuncture and then graduated last May.
0: That's fantastic. And how? when did you first hear about ac- acupuncture? Because everyone has like that story. For for example, for me, my mother, and this must have been... Okay, I'm going to really date myself, but probably a good 25 <laughs> years ago, my mother, who lives in the north of Spain, took a bus for five hours to go to Madrid to the only acupuncturist known at the time to stop smoking.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. No, well, for me... Um... I remember when I was a kid, my mum brought me to see an acupuncturist because I used to have quite bad uh, asthma as a kid and and hay fever as well. Um, And I didn't really really connect with it at that point uh, for whatever reason. Maybe I didn't see results. Maybe I was just a kid, so I didn't sort of pick up on it. But uh, for me, it was actually in 2015 when I was really busy working on a music project um you know one of those things which the deadlines were due yesterday kind of thing you know everything's always has to be done immediately um and i remember we I, I guess i just overdid it working in the studio and there was a day where i remember feeling a um almost like a switch go or something in my head and after that i started suffering with really really bad pain in my ears and got really really bad tinnitus um, and so i went to see a couple of doctors and then they sent me on to hearing specialists because it, it developed so that I became so sensitive to sound, like even things like the fridge or cutlery. Um, and they basically diagnosed me with a condition called hyperacusis, which is like a sensitivity to any sound, really, day-to-day stuff. So it's actually physical pain from hearing sound, which is actually quite traumatic, as you can imagine. Um, but going to numerous doctors, they kept kind of saying, there's nothing wrong with you. Your hearing is way above average. Um, yeah, and I just felt like I was falling between the cracks, really. Uh, which is a bit a bit a bit terrifying so uh, like with so many stories as a last resort i was packed off to see a uh, you know a friend's acupuncturist um, and i went to see him and he was the first person i saw i think in about an eight month period that actually said i can help you and um, which is amazingly powerful words that were always told to be very careful of saying things like that but it was just that was a real turning point for me just to be told that and not feel like i was being falling through the cracks um, so I went to see this guy, and he—I think within about three weeks, I was about eighty percent better. And within three months, I was totally back to normal, and have had no tenderness, no uh, sensitivity to sound since. And he cured my asthma at the same time. So that was kind of a a real moment for me. Going, wow, what is this? You know, this is crazy. How can you stick needles in people and actually get some kind of a, a such a powerful result? And because of the way my brain works, my family or my dad's side of the family are all solicitors. And so I, I do have that side of myself that's very pragmatic. Um, but here now is something where I just thought, "This I can't make sense of this, but it's so visceral, the reaction that I've had to this that I, I just had to go exploring. And so I talked to my wife and said, this is something really interesting. And I expected her to go, you're mad, um, go back to work. She was just going, you know what? Do it. Brilliant. Have a change. And so I did. And within, I think, three or four months, I'd seen all the colleges. I'd gone around ICOM and Kickham, Westminster and South Bank at the time, uh, CNM, all the kind of uh, London-based colleges, um, City of Acupuncture. And yeah, I'd enrolled in in ICOM, which is where the guy I went to see uh, studied. And he was a graduate, I think, in 1982. And yeah, and I and that's kind of how my story started, and I haven't stopped since. And so now I'm just absolutely fascinated by the philosophy and how how it just translates into into our into what we use today. Really. It's such
0: a powerful story because if you are a musician, if you work with sound, having pain on hearing must have been absolutely devastating.
1: It really was. But when I look at it now, and it's always easy to kind of see these things in hindsight. At the time, I just thought this is really cruel, but. But now I can so clearly see, now that I've had time to sort of, you know, um, I guess heal and whatnot, that I just hit total burnout. I was working so, such long hours, you know, under such stressful conditions. And even in, from a Chinese medicine perspective, my kidneys were just burnt out. The kidneys open through the ears, like we know. And it was my body's way of saying, enough's enough. Um, so take some time off and reevaluate what you want to do. And, you know, so it's amazing whether it's a subconscious thing. Whether you were looking at it in a Western way, of the you know the body will, if you don't listen to your body, it'll 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 tell you what to do in its own way.
0: Absolutely, and that totally resonates with my own story. I think by the time I enrolled in CCA, I right. was, <laughs> my health was it was not like I was terribly ill, as in oh my god, I can't get out of bed, but. I noticed during the three years of study, so many changes in my own health, just from learning about the medicine and applying it. And of course, <laughs> we're constantly needling each other in classes. So the people that know no. me, they're like, so- you've changed so much in the last few years.
1: I know it's so exciting, isn't it? And like, even, even now, I, I love going into clinic. I mean, obviously, we all miss clinic. At the moment, but going into clinic and let's say, for example, some com- comes in, someone comes in with menstrual issues or like you know, a, like a heavy period or something, and you just you know, mox a needle uh, or mox a spleen one or something, and you know, just by doing that alone can have such powerful, such a powerful action, um, and it just blows me away. And I love that about working as an acupuncturist, where every day you just go, wow, this is crazy, because every day I feel like I almost start the day with this slightly cynical kind of this is mad and by the end of the day I'm just like wow this is so this is so cool what, what an honor to it be is, doing. It is and it's,
0: it's really quite interesting as well watching people's um, reactions because I do get for some reason which I don't know what it is but I do get a lot of skeptical patients and I've been yeah, treating a lot that. of plantar fasciitis <laughs> because I treated um, a lady who's a dog walker so she recommended me to all her old dog walker friends who also has plantar fasciitis and it's one of the things that responds really well
1: oh right really yeah that's good i haven't actually had plantar fasciitis patients so that's, that's i've good had a
0: know. million of them by I now and yeah <laughs> really? and you, you know that's you do electro on their heels and in about four sessions the pain has gone and i remember the last lady i had she was really? a total non-believer but she was desperate and we did the first treatment, not a lot of change. We did the second treatment, not a lot of change. Then she came for the third one and she said, I'm really disappointed. This is not working. And I said, please, just give me two more two more treatments. Let's do two more. And then, yeah. and then if you are disappointed, fair enough. And she came after the thir- third sure. treatment. She was like, oh, I'm better. And we did the fourth one and she's like, I'm fine now. No pain. <laughs>
1: Great. That's brilliant. Gosh, well don't I have to get your tips oh, for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it responds
0: really well. But yes, it's that thing where um, you wouldn't naturally think, oh, I'm going to go get acupuncture for my tinnitus, or I'm going to go get acupuncture for my plantar fasciitis. Or I was talking to a friend who's pregnant about, you know, breech babies and moxa, and She didn't quite believe me. She was like, really? Is that really what you do?
1: I know. I know. It's funny, isn't it? But uh, no, I mean, one of my favorite things is uh, which Chinese medicine and acupuncture is so great at is, is treating pe- people's emotions, which is such a, um uh, what's the best word for it? It's such a difficult, intangible thing, you know, and, and over in the West, we think of it as being a, I don't know, it, it's, it's hard to feel that you can have any kind of effect on it. But I love, I love that. And I love kind of the fact that you can feel these things in the pulse um and, and and I love to feel that when you feel a change in the pulse after a treatment, or you feel people relaxed, or or even like sometimes when you put needles in, you can feel people get more tense for a while, and then you ask them, are you feeling suddenly quite frustrated? And it's just I just love the fact that you can actually feel these I, things. I hear you. Know?
0: you. I remember many uh, years really ex- ago, it was my probably my first year receiving acupuncture as a patient, and my acupuncturist went and said, oh, I uh, I don't always use this point because it's quite strong, but I think you really need it. It was when seventeen. I was like, yeah, put it in. I, oh, right. yeah. I don't know. Because she didn't say, this is what I'm going to use it for. She just said, I, th- I think you need it. And I said, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. She put the needle in and um, yeah. I started crying. And it wasn't like a sob.
1: Wow. It was just like,
0: yeah. like water just coming out of my eyes and draining down the side of my face. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I don't know what's going on. And she was like, no, it's it's okay.
1: Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because I've had a few situations like that where I guess when I started out as a practitioner and I could, you know, someone was coming in suffering with grief, I guess your, your first thing is, all oh, i just need a lung seven. And sometimes it can be really, really strong and it can just be a little much, you know. And uh, so I've kind of learned to kind of go, oh, wow, maybe I'll just work on the spleen instead, just, just for a few times, just to see before we, you know, go straight for the lung. Because I think uh, there are certainly times where I've gone in feeling like I've gone with a massive hammer and uh, it's just been a bit much do you know what i mean yes, you yes. these some people you are more
0: prepared for uh, big releases of emotion but some people just, just really need to tread quite carefully there absolutely yes, yes so you went true. with icom in the end
1: i did yeah um part of the reason for that was that um my the guy i told you i went to see in london who kind of cu- cured my hyperacusis and tinnitus he was an ICOM graduate and he, would, he wouldn't he would give me sort of information of if you should go to this college. He just told me to go around and see all the colleges and see which one I resonated with. Um, and I went to kick him, and I thought, wow, this is such a great place. It's such a beautiful, you know, a beautiful building or a couple of buildings and such great um, facilities. But when I went to ICOM, it was kind of, it was like much more kind of a smaller kind of community vibe. I think the classes maybe were a bit smaller. I don't, I can't even tell you what it was. Um, I just loved the atmosphere there. And I, maybe I liked the idea of getting out of London, you know, sort of. So I was always traveling on the train down there and at the opposite time I could see the the opposite train was uh, packed full of people squashed up against me. I had a whole carriage to myself, which is great. But I think it was the fact that I knew that come from talking to people was very much based on, they were quite heavy on the philosophy and the classical, uh, classical Chinese medicine. And for me, I just felt that it's re- i always love to know where things come from and even if it's kind of a, like a translation uh like all the unshelled books that we read you know for the the wen and the ling shu i just love to kind of I-, I won't say you can read those books like like you would a novel but yeah you know, i love to dip in and out of them and because it, it's what informs our practice and uh i just yeah it's just amazing how all these things are written down and have been passed down over time and it all makes sense I just, yeah, I just find that aspect of philosophy so exciting and the numerology, ah. which we were taught quite heavily in ICOM and how numerology um, is such a big part of Chinese philosophy. And once you kind of understand that aspect of it, it all just kind of opens up and you go, wow, this is like some sort of keyhole view to the inner workings of the universe. And it's it's quite humbling. It's as, mad, as crazy as it can sound and people kind of will roll their eyes and go, oh, that's a bit bit hippie-ish but it really is fascinating you know just as it yes as i a always topic. find
0: it really interesting um a lot of the people that knew me before i got into acupuncture um knew me as a computer programmer so <laughs> people cannot reconcile those two parts oh, right, okay, where yeah. on the one side i'm incredibly analytical and mathematical and then they think well and you do this really hippie thing yeah. and i'm like but it's not a hippie thing there's a science behind it it's incredibly logical <laughs>
1: I know, well that's it. You know, and once you kind of know, you know, like an icon, they're 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 very big on teaching us all of the points and all of the the channels and the pathways. And when you kinda understand that and what the different channels or the different sang and food do, it's it's so logical and you can make really informed decisions of what you're doing. Because you can make people worse as well, you know. And I've done that myself. I think we it's a right you know?
0: message. You have to <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course I'm really hoping I just of did it mostly in the student clinic where I had support to then go and fix but um...
1: I know no absolutely I had a few situations like that a few scares in student clinic where you know people reacted badly and it was great to have people in fact I'm very grateful for those experiences now as terrifying as they were at the time because you had that support going, no this is this can happen this is normal this is how you can deal with it um, as opposed to being sort of you know I wouldn't have liked if those things happened as a a graduate where these things can really knock your confidence. I mean, at any time in your career, they can knock your confidence. But, uh, you know, it's always good when you have people looking at you. (laughs) I have
0: heard, because I had a classmate who had transferred from ICOM, that the point exams are absolutely terrifying.
1: Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, I still have sleepless nights about them, actually. Um, Yeah, because in ICOM, they they teach all the points. And uh, most of the extra, well, when I say most, there's always extra points coming up. But I think... Uh, certainly there were 405 points that we had to learn. And yeah, and the great thing though, I have to say was that in first year in ICOM, they were really good at setting up different ways, uh, individual ways that we, you know, they they basically they'd look into how we all learned or what our strengths were in terms of learning, which was really good because I never had that in school or when I originally went to college. So some of us discovered that, uh, you know, we, we were good with uh, using the journey method, you know, do you know the journey method where you learn, point location and you kind of imagine yourself moving from point a to point b and the different point functions on the way and then i learned that i was really good with mnemonics um so i used mnemonics of different films to uh to learn all of the point functions and that was that was a lifesaver because otherwise i would have just we would have all just been stabbing in the dark i think and trying to remember it all randomly you know so that that was really helpful
0: um make up songs she used to make songs about (laughs) the points
1: Oh, really? Oh, I saw someone on was it on YouTube recently, uh, AccuBeats or something. Someone posted on, I don't know, it was a Twitter or something the other day. I think was it was someone in Reading or like, or maybe it was the City College of Acupuncture. It was uh, like a hip hop song with, you know, the functions <laughs> of the Jing Well right. points and the Ying Spring point. It's great yeah really good so i'll have to get yes no i think i think i
0: memorized them (laughs) just out of pure um, brute force and for me what happened as well is i I got really sick literally two weeks before my first points exam and i thought i was going to fail so um my poor husband volunteered and every afternoon well every evening after work i'd be like drawing on him and telling him that he had he had um he had the book and then i would say things like Oh, this point freeze the exterior, and he's like, "That's not what he says." He says release the exterior. <laughs> so we used to have these arguments. Does that mean the same? Yeah, thing? yeah, not because there are some subtle differences sometimes.
1: <laughs> I know, I know, totally, absolutely. So yeah, funny,
0: but isn't um, it? we all got through. So um, you told me that you are or were a member of the BXC Students Advisory Group. Um, so what is that? I, I I'm afraid I don't even know.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, basically, the group, um, the Student Services Advisory Group, was set up by Natalie Johnson at the um, BXC. Uh, Natalie's, Natalie's great. And so I joined the group. There were, I think, four of us uh, as members of the group. Um, and I was I joined the group as an ICOM graduate. And also on the panel were uh, members of Kickham and Westminster. And basically, the group was designed as a... Uh, I guess, as a body to tour the different colleges accredited by the British Acupuncture Accreditation Board, um, or the BAAB. And I guess a way of just sort of uh, talking with the students and feeding back to the governing board and the BXC. Um, and so basically, that was the idea. But unfortunately, I think it never quite got mm-hmm. off the ground because of the COVID-19 thing. So I think it's obviously on the back burner. That was the idea. So it's kind of, it's it's a great idea oh, okay so it's it's, it's really of, yeah. new yeah it's it's pretty new i think they might have had it before but i think it's sort of um yeah i think i think it's just it's one of their sort of things that they they try and keep going but yeah so far since i've been involved i think it's been
0: okay you know, because i know natalie i moment. adore natalie and i was thinking oh my god she's going to kill me that i don't know what this thing is <laughs> oh really <laughs> Yes, no, <laughs> no, natalie, absolutely. So great natalie hello if you're mm. listening to us this is the time now, I think, to talk about your podcast. I want to hear about it. What motivated you to start and um, which topic you're aiming to cover? How are you finding listening to yourself speak? Because I, I'm, I'm so bored of my own voice by now. Like, oh, yeah. I have to listen and edit all my podcasts. And I sometimes wish I could cut myself off and just have my guests.
1: <laughs> I know. It's funny, isn't it? um yeah you you kind of start off listening to yourself and you realize god i don't how did I have that habit or why do I do that at the end of every sentence and so I'm just hoping that my my Irish lilt will lull people into a nice calm as opposed to my whatever speaking habits but um now the reason I started the podcast was because I've been a big listener of podcast Chinese medicine podcasts, particularly while I was studying. Um, I listened to uh, Kenton Sefsick from TCM Graduate TV a lot. He's great. And he got me through a lot of my clinic exams, actually. And I I sent him an email actually to say, thank you so much, Kenton. And he got back to me, which is really nice. But it was just that thing of, I remember in ICOM, sometimes we were just being given so many information and so much information, so many projects all at the same time, that it was hard to take it all in and then try and apply it so quickly. It it all kind of happens with time. I think that's where we all, you know, when we're students, we struggle because it's just, you feel like you're losing stuff constantly and not making sense of stuff. And it comes with time, you know, and hopefully will continue to come with time. Um, But it can be really daunting. So I remember listening to a lot of his episodes on things like pulse diagnosis or particularly TCM patterns. Um, And that was really helpful just so I could have something to go in with that I could grab onto. Um, And so, yeah, so I loved, I loved Kenton's stuff. And then uh, Michael Max at Geology. Uh, Those were the kind of the two main ones. And then I guess lots, lots of them have been uh, popping up. Obviously (laughs) Fresh Needle is excellent. You know, we know that. And um, so, so, but I kind of thought, obviously with the time, well time off, I say we've been having, I was suddenly kind of thinking that there's, there was space for a podcast that maybe focus a little bit more on classical Chinese philosophy and Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and how philosophy informs uh, or the concepts inform our practice. Um, because I know that's something we do really heavily at, at ICOM, but it's something I'm fascinated in, and I wanted to maybe try and do a podcast, but not as an expert, because you, I mean, gosh, you'd need you'd need lifetimes and lifetimes to become an expert on this. But I thought it'd be a great way to set up a sort of a resource for students and practitioners and um, but also for a way to me to for me to continue learning and to dive into this stuff because you know it's a great motivation um to set this up and to do that because otherwise i might you know you, you may never get around to it because it's such a huge topic um so yeah so i set it up for people and myself to deepen my understanding of the concepts that inform our practice really and um, so i'll be doing it de- Diving into classic texts and uh, numerology, like I mentioned before, and the idea is that I will focus on a specific topic, maybe every episode, or maybe break it down into um, part different parts, and then how these things, uh, how we can apply them in a clinical setting. Because I guess sometimes it's a question of we're dealing with translations or how we, you know, you are reading the classics and you go, "That's really fascinating," but how on earth can that can that apply in practice? So what I, yeah, so that's kind of the plan so uh with that in mind i guess i've set up um and i'm launching on june the 16th so this month and my first episode is on yin and yang and i thought yin and yang oh that'll be an easy topic but it's such a such a huge you know i mean where do you even start i mean you have to start somewhere but it literally i mean you could write forever on yin and yang because it's the basis of everything because you i mean in, in chinese numerology you can't talk about the number one really the dao so um then you the next the number you can really you can only really talk about the number two downwards and yin and yang is the number two, which is the static concept of yin and yang. So yeah, the first episode I'm going to be talking about um, yin and yang and its concept and then how, I guess, yin and yang within numerology. Then we have yang, qi and yin, which is the relationship between yin and yang, the laws of yin and yang, um, how they manifest in the four seasons and the five phases. Uh, they're within, then they have a context of quality versus, uh, quality versus quantity then the eight principles and how they, how we see them in the clinic and how we see them in pathology. So that's kind of the first episode. And then after that, which is, you know, it's going to be weighty, but I'll have to just try and be as fun as I can. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So, and the other thing is to, to celebrate the launch of on June 16th, I've created a free ebook on yin and yang which people can download as well. Because I think when you're listening to someone talk about these concepts, sometimes you just need to see something in front of you. So people can download that as well um, at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free E.
0: That's fantastic. That's because one of them. one of the things, and this is why um, I love listening to podcasts, and then, yes, the power of TCM and geological, I love them, is because... I keep, particularly during lockdown, I keep thinking this is the time I have to review or to expand on all the things. Um, when I was um, studying at CCA, I was always of the view of trying to get the basics absolutely right, thinking I'll, I'll have a whole lifetime to build, mm. but if I don't get the basics right, then there's no point in yeah. trying to learn the more advanced, um stuff. But what I found, because during lockdown, I'm like, this is my opportunity. But then I open a book and it's really difficult to find the motivation to just read a really dense book by yourself.
1: Absolutely. Just... I know. I, I tried to do that with the Sue uh, Recently, I tried to sit down and do chapter one, you know, chapter two. And after about the first three days, I was just here, this is exhausting. And, uh, you know, and particularly because, you know, it's a translation and you know, that no matter what you're reading, there's going to be another opinion or a different context. Um, and so that's kind of I guess it's that thing where you're constantly trying to hold different contexts in your head it's where there might be appear to be a contradiction but you just have to find how these things work in different situations yes, sometimes yes and if you're you know, listening that's, that's to life, someone talk
0: about it then the material comes much more alive and you don't feel so alone totally yeah.
1: I know so yes, totally no, I that's think, exactly I think it's it. a great
0: idea I wasn't that strong on the philosophy part meaning as in um i wasn't that great at learning it so i'm really looking forward to listening to the podcast
1: (laughs) oh thank you well no i mean i I wouldn't uh i can't claim to be very strong in in it either i'm just fascinated by it but that's why i guess i've set myself up with this podcast as being the asker of questions more than the expert and that's why i really wanted to be a community for students and practitioners to really i really want to be seen as being approachable so the people can ask questions. And that old, that old thing we were always told in college, there's no such thing as a silly question. Um, because, you know, we, yeah, we all kind of have different ways of interpreting information. And it's always fascinating to talk to, even about the most basic of principles, how someone else has perceived something, because it can be so so valuable Where or just give you a different, yes, totally and different people, um, even perspective. Even like
0: their own selves are going to, it's going to impact the material. Because for my course, for example, we had to do, A presentation on Yin and Yang. So, being the computer science that scientist that I used to be, that used to work in a corporation, I did a PowerPoint presentation (laughs) because, of course, that's that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. But we had people do all sorts of different things. We had someone that used to work in film, and she just narrated this beautiful story. Um, so it was a qualitative approach to talking about yin and yang rather than a quantitative one. And I loved it. And I think that's also the beauty that we bring our humanity mm. to the medicine and, and our background and our experiences.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so important. And I think at the end of the day, we have to remember that everything that we learn is is a template because, you know, you can read about yin and yang, you can read about you know, it's always this thing I remember in college that used to turn me upside down was, you know, oh, there's yin deficiency, therefore tonify yin, or there's yang deficiency, tonify yang. But then you have to remember that yang creates yin and yin supports yang. They can't exist without one another. And so I used to tie myself up in knots. And even in my final clinic exam, I did the same thing where I was, you know, I was saying, oh, I think there's, I want to tonify yin. And then people go, are you sure? And then you, you just have this doubt. So you just have to get to a point where you learn this stuff and you make informed decisions based on instinct. At the end of the day, I remember that with um, even writing music, where you you practice for hours and you you know playing piano or drums or whatever, and you were always kind of held up by your technical ability. You're only capable of of you know transferring from your mind to your hands um, what what you're capable of, um, and so yeah, so it's kind of. Um, so I've lost my I train of thought I think we were
0: going about how you yourself informs your practice or your choices um, because that just brought to mind actually memory of um, having um, a tutorial with, with, with my tutor, my academic tutor. And it was really interesting because um, this was probably, I think it was probably either end of our, my first year or beginning of the second, and I was still incredibly analytic by then. I had written an essay that was very, very technical. And he just said, you know, sometimes you are going to have to yeah. throw away all the technical details and you're you going to oh, have absolutely. to act on it. I can relate to that. He said, so try to cultivate that that part of, yeah, of that's your exactly practice what it is. where you think, okay, so the theory tells me this and that and that, but this is what I'm feeling right now. This is the energy I'm feeling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's exactly the point I was I was trying to make and got kind of uh, sidelined. Was about instinct, where it comes down to the fact that you take in all this information, and then at some point you have to put it aside and just just work off your your own instincts for things. And sometimes they'll be right, maybe sometimes they'll be wrong, but you at least you have a kind of a, a path, you know. And uh, it's yeah, that's really important. But I know what you mean about writing papers that were. Um, you know, where you have to throw stuff out because I remember when we were writing our research papers or dissertations, I mean, you'd be up to, I think it was the hardest thing because I could write forever and be, and be kind of happy enough. But when you're restricted to a certain number of words, like even 5,000 words, which, you know, uh, You'd suddenly find, oh gosh, you know, I'm five thousand and thirty or something, and you'd constantly be floating, and then you'd kind of go, oh, I'll correct that, and then you'd suddenly get down to four thousand five hundred, and then you'd add another a thousand words, and it was just a constant thing. It was impossible, you know, yes, to throw me, away um, and keep adding I'm stuff. I'm quite
0: concise, so the word count wasn't so much of an issue, but I have a little bit of an. Um, attention deficit thing going on so I did have a couple of places where I just kind of went totally off piste particularly in western medicine and um, the lecture was like well that was not really what the question was.
1: I totally uh, understand that because I used to have I remember in school I I used to do that where I go off on on a total tangent and people go that's not the point so I always have to kind of remind myself or even like what I started doing in my college Essays was I put the title of the essay or pertinent questions up in the, the top, you know, of the page just to try and remind myself to keep on track.
0: So, when I was younger, I studied computer science because I was like, okay, I'm good at maths. This is something that seems to, you know, to be a good career choice. Off we go. But when I enrolled in acupuncture school, I was like, I really. I'm interested in this. I love this. The problem for me was also a matter of interest. So my first idea for my um, dissertation, I was going to write about if whether acupuncture helps with uh, sports performance. And halfway through doing the research, I thought, oh my okay. God, this is so boring. It was so boring. It was the most boring thing I've ever read. And I, 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 I had to change track halfway through because... It was dull. It was just dull. <laughs> yes. And in the end, I wrote a really? uh, literature yeah. review between, in the comparison between um, TCM and Ayurveda, which I found much more in- <laughs> interesting.
1: Oh, wow. It was. Oh, that sounds really interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because now, uh, yeah, gosh. And how, how many words did you have to write? A few. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah I think like we were 5,000. But yeah, yeah. We kept... We kept having to call it um, a research essay because yes. dissertation sounded what so was, terrifying. What was your tone? <laughs> so, mine was on the five tones. So it was on, um, you know, the, the the five elements and their correspondences. And I want to write about the five tones and how, because no one really ever talks about the five tones, apart from maybe at Kickham and other colleges, they talk about it in terms of diagnosis. Uh, how how they perceive people's voices, like so. If you're if you have a moaning sound to your voice, I think that's a, a lung pathology, or maybe not a lung pathology, but a lung, you know, a trait. So you might they might be your CF. I think, uh, although CF isn't my expertise by any means. Um, but so I wanted to kind of understand whether it had any sort of other aspects, and not just diagnosis, but in terms of treatment. Um, so I was looking into it from, uh, I guess, even things like. You know, String theory, for example, uh, supposes that you know everything, everything that exists or it has substance has a sort of a vibrational quality. So I wanted to um, look into the vibrational quality of the various tones and whether that had been researched and whether there was a basis for it in, tr- in the treatment of disease. And it was really fascinating. I found all this, um, this research on things like the Schumann resonance, which is the, the resonance of the planet Earth, and uh and then yeah and then the resonance of the different planets in the solar system and it was all it was all quite sort of ethereal and hard to pin down but you know i was looking at all sorts of um uh nasa documents and you know it was it was quite it was quite fun i have to say i really enjoyed it but it was because it was so heavily philosophical it was it was it was just like there's no end to it do you know what i mean like i i I often dragged back by my tutors kind of go. no come back into the room you've gone way too far you're you're you know we're going to lose you i think i just end up you know sitting in the room forever you know
0: as (laughs) many of my listeners know i do a lot of yoga and in yoga we talk about the sanskrit and sanskrit Mm. is a sacred language because the tones and the frequencies are supposed to really resonate with the spirit and they say that the om you know the which I can never do correctly, (laughs) is the sound, the primordial sound of the universe. These ideas are not, um, they might be rare, they might be a bit strange for us here in Europe, but in other places, they've been looking into them for millennia. (laughs) Well, that's
1: the thing. And one of the things I remember, I'm trying to remember all my dissertation out it feels like so long ago, but one of the most fascinating things I found was in relation to the Schumann resonance, which is the, uh, as I said, the resonance, or not just a resonance, but a series of resonances um, emitted by the planet Earth, is um, they they were kind of monitoring things like, say, astronauts or what happens to people when that resonance or ser- frequent, series of res- resonances is taken away and people could get very very unwell and suffer sort of um you know forms of psychosis or um you know nausea or just any sort of physiological disruption and so it's kind of fascinating to think that we're, maybe something that we're used to which is there for all of us because we we exist here on this planet and we you know are on the planet earth when when these resonances are taken away we become unwell so You know, if that's if that's sort of a resonance that is homeostasis for us, then you obviously must have resonances that are pathological, you know, and I don't want to go down the whole, you know, but I guess then you can go on about, you know, mobile phones and Wi-Fi and all sorts, because even though they're not sound waves, they're still electromagnetic waves and they're still vibrational. They have a vibrational quality because that's how they work. Um, there'll probably be scientists here screaming at the at the podcast, going, "No, that's not correct." But um, but that's, yeah, well, that's certainly my a, understanding. A pendant, I mean, it is vibration. Um,
0: an EMF mm. shield pendant that I wear when I'm yeah when I sit in front of my computer for many work. hours. But to me, you see, um, first of all, we're going to have to exchange dissertations because I want to definitely read yours. But um,
1: yeah, absolutely. Let's do it.
0: To, if I if I could give current acupuncture students a bit of advice today would be find a topic that you're really, really fascinated in because you can see like, we're both talking about our dissertations and we're feeling really excited about them. And I think that's what made them good. I'm pretty sure your dissertation got really good marks.
1: (laughs) I know. I I think it's this kind of thing where there are certainly with the numerology, my understanding, I'm certainly no expert on it at all, but uh, my understanding is there's different, not different traditions, but there's that thing where, um, historically, uh, Chinese philosophy tends to layer things on top of each other as opposed to getting rid of stuff. So you can have different thoughts that are sort of superimposed on each other. So let's say you have, you know, five is supposed to be a heavenly number and six is supposed to be an earthly number. But then suddenly you read another classic text and it talks about six as being heavenly and five as being earthly, um, or at least that's the, the way it's been translated, certainly. and But then they've tried to explain that as being, well, you know let's say the 5 zang within man are actually a reflection of heaven so it's the number 5 but it's heaven within man and this kind of stuff so it it's it's all contextual or at least that's do you know what i mean so it, it but it can be really i remember having sleepless nights about the numbers 5 and 6 in college still, still do you know and because uh, i'd always ask i remember um elio who's the uh the principal of icom now he was our teacher and i was always asking him about five and six thinking i had it absolutely nailed and he'd go well you know i suppose it's it, maybe in this context but no it's this you know and, and you would always not quite have it It was just one of those things that you couldn't quite grasp so uh, and maybe i'll never grasp but you know i'm i'm i've got what yes, i need for we, we have i'll go back life to another time, day so, <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's confused the beauty Exactly. Well, yeah, we're yeah, running out it. of
0: time, which is a shame because I could mm. keep talking <laughs> about all this stuff for hours. But um, I know, thank yeah, you so much. It has been a really good episode, a really fun one to um to record. So for our listeners, Bem's website is acupuncture westlondoncom and he's also on Instagram as acupuncture west London all together. And then the podcast that comes out on the 16th of June is Acupuncture West London, the podcast. Do look it up because it's going to be really, really interesting. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ben.
1: Thanks so much, Vanessa. Thanks a million for having me on the show.